Episode 36 of the Shark Bites Podcast, a Throwdown Thursday production. My name is Patrick Rahal, and I will be your host for today. And uh, as as always, and of course, because we are uh, part of the Dorkening Network, we are brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee. Once you go deadly, you don't go back. And uh, I am here today, and I am joined by uh, a very creative person, a uh, a a huge fan of not only B movies but uh making fun of B movies and uh I mean I know I don't like saying that term B movies but you know I'm trying to elicit a specific response here and I am uh, uh like I said I am joined by a very creative person who is also uh working on a, a great project that you have a very limited time left to help support and make a reality. Uh, I'm here with Mr. Addison Bennett. Addison, how are you today? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing all right. A little tired. It's been a long, long day. Uh, but uh, we are here because we want to promote your Kickstarter because uh, we are coming down to the wire. As uh, we are recording this, we have uh, a little over 24 hours to uh, to make this a reality because this this Kickstarter ends on uh, July first at three p.m. Eastern. Is that correct? That is correct. Yep. I right. think it's something like thirty six hours, something like that. So as of this morning, yeah, because it's uh, it's about nine thirty on the 29th. So we don't have a lot of time. So uh, everybody, dig around, find your wallets, and uh, let's get over to Addison's Kickstarter. But one dollar, one dollar gets you a, a thank you in the end credits, and then that and that thank you credit uh, will get ported over to IMDb. So you get a special thanks credit on IMDb just for a buck. You know. So what we should probably do, and uh, I, I, I would be remiss if we. Uh, if we didn't get into this, uh, let's talk about what the project actually is. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm going to have you give a, a brief rundown uh, as to what it is that you are trying to do and uh, your history with this particular medium. Well, the Kickstarter that I'm currently running is for a show that I am calling Roast Masterpiece Theater. And it's a intended to be like an R-rated mystery science theater. Um, we want to license movies from um, Blue Underground and Full Moon. Um, the movie Cannibals is going to come from Blue Underground, and The Killer Eye is going to come from uh, Full Moon. So the intention for the Kickstarter is to raise enough funds to pay those companies to let me license their films um, for just shy of a decade and uh, with the option for a renewal later. Um, you know, it's not cheap to license movies, so I'm hoping to raise the money to just forward it to them and get these films. Um, prior to Roast Masterpiece Theater, I did a show called Troll Masterpiece Theater, which was same thing, mystery science theater, R-rated, uncut, uncensored films, um, but trauma movies. Uh, Lloyd Kaufman handpicked two films for us for our two episodes. Uh, to use 
The first episode was The Battle of Love's Return, which is a film that he made in 1971. He was only 25. Uh, not a lot of people even know about that movie because it's never been officially released on DVD by itself. Uh, we found it as like an Easter egg um, hidden on, I think, Squeeze Play, another Lloyd Kaufman film. Uh, if you used your remote control to sort of navigate the arrows, it would highlight uh, something off in the corner. And if you clicked enter, like, voila, there was the battle of love's return, you know? Um, and he's the first to admit that it is a very bad film and it does not have the gratuitous sex and violence that trauma is known for. Um, hence, you know, why it's never really officially been released or embraced by fans. But, uh, so that was kind of a, a litmus test for us to see if we could make something that bad, funny, and um, we seemed to seem to go over well with Lloyd. So then he gave us Poultrygeist, which was sort of a whole new uh, challenge because not only was that movie um, something that he made way later on in his career, so it was more it was slicker, more professional, but it was actually much funnier, and it had those exploitive elements. Uh, sex and violence and gratuitous content that trauma is known for. So riffing on that kind of material, uh, plus the fact that it was a full-fledged musical, made it a lot harder to riff, but uh, people seem to like it. Um, however, uh, during this pandemic that's going on right now, um, trauma it, it's not open for business right now. They're not really, you know, if you place an order on their website, you're not going to get that merchandise for quite some time. So Lloyd is not licensing films at the moment either um i reached out to him back in march and he wasn't going to license me anything further uh so i were doing this spinoff show roast masterpiece theater so it's going to be the same uh set it's going to we film it at, at an actual movie theater um and the characters are i play a movie theater usher and my puppet pals are Corny and Reely, a talking box of popcorn and a talking film reel. And we just riff on trauma stuff, you know? But um, so with Roast Masterpiece, it's no longer exclusive trauma movies. Uh, we hope to branch out there and, you know, even get movies from other companies. So this Kickstarter is intended to launch this new brand and uh you know hopefully kick off a whole new franchise yeah because i don't i don't want people to to think that this is just you know you know you know some some jerk sitting on his couch you know yelling at his tv screen that is not what we're doing here like what you are doing is you have like very high production values you have nice cameras you have nice microphones and you are putting together like an actual legitimate uh, mystery science theater uh, loving homage you know you have the puppets you know like the the puppets are really well made um thank you and you know you you guys write scripts like it's not just you know some guy with his buddies just you know yelling at movies while you know pounding, oh, yeah, we, pounding we, jello we shots films. we dissect them you know we watch them basically in slow motion where we pause the film every 15 to 30 seconds to try and come up with a riff. And if we don't have anything like, all right, maybe we'll get that on the third or fourth viewing. Um, and we have scripts that we write and uh, they're color coded. So everyone knows what riff is theirs. And uh, we sit in front of a green screen um, right in my apartment living room. And uh, you know, I, I take the color out. So it's just our black silhouettes and I marry that with the actual movie. 
And it's just like Mystery Science Theater, but uh, the movies we show are uncut and uncensored. And so, you know, there's we, we swear occasionally in our riffs as well, because that's the whole concept that I wanted to pursue is to make the kind of show and show the kind of movies that Mystery Science Theater never could. Right. And I've seen some of your uh, your other projects, uh, Movies for a Rainy Afternoon. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mistakenly, when I talked to you, with you the other day, I called it Movies for a Rainy Day. And uh, Everybody does. Yeah. Everybody but, does. Oh, it made it seem like I didn't do my research and it bugged me. No. <laughs> but that's, that's people, just me. People who have seen most of the episodes still call it Rainy Day. I don't know why. Uh, I guess it's just, you know, that's, that's what your brain does. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, everyone says it. But uh, you have. But it is movies to watch afternoon, and I've been doing that since March of 2011. There's about 122 episodes for free on YouTube, um, and that's basically like a 15, 20 minute version of um, like a riff review, where I cobbled together kind of the best of the worst clips from various exploitation cult horror B movies, and uh, we write you know riffs for various clips and i edit them all together in sort of a like a review but there's riffing in it too so it's a little bit different than your average youtube review video um you know we only really watch the movie once as opposed to troll masterpiece or roast masterpiece where the viewings are like you know half a dozen viewings and we'll pause the movie every 15 30 seconds looking for riffs um this is more, we just watch the movie once all the way through. And as the movie plays, I'll, you know, hit the info button on my remote control and I'll jot down on a notebook um, who said what joke at what time code. So then later when I'm actually writing the riff script, I have, uh, you know, that information at my disposal. So when I port the film into Final Cut Pro, I can go th- through and find the time code and just extract the clip that I need record the voiceover, uh, you know, stick that to the clip, and there you go. So then once I have, you know, about 15 to 20 clips, um, it becomes a 15 to 20 minute long episode with host sketches and silly sort of uh, segments every couple of clips. Yeah, like that's one of the things I, I enjoyed was it's not just, you know, it's a different take on the uh... – on the, um, you know, the the riffing, like, you know, riff tracks or, or mystery science theater where it's, you know, you're, you're playing the movie. So, like, it's almost like the uh, the Cliff's Notes version of the movie. Yes, yes. Um, and, again, the one I keep coming back to because it was just so god-awful. Like, I can't believe it was actually a thing. It looked like it was Thanksgiving 3, and it looked like a skit like a bunch of kids were making this movie but like the kids making the movie were themselves in like a fourth grade play so it was like a fourth grade play about kids that were making a movie and like that's the special effects and and quality of acting that they came up with um well that movie does have i mean it is. A, it's not a good film, <laughs> but uh, the the production quality of it is actually, I think, better than most of those kinds of movies. Just it looks really slick. 
It's a really yeah. slick looking film. I think that's where they the put con- most of the money. The content is bad. It's not funny. It thinks it's hilarious, but it's not funny. Um, it's sort of like, to me, reminds me of maybe like a Tim and Eric skit gone horribly, horribly wrong. Mm. And like outstays its welcome for, you know, an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah. Like, you know, folks who, who know me know that I will watch pretty much anything. And this, like just watching these these clips in the 20 minute uh, episode <laughs> that you have is more than enough for me. Like, I don't need to revisit right. this. I don't need to go back. Um, my episode is only 20 minutes long. There's an additional 80 minutes that you're, you haven't seen. You know what I mean? Um, I don't think I could survive. Number. No, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, it's almost like you are uh, cinematically jumping on a grenade for everyone. So kind of, like, yeah, but uh, it's fun for me. You know, right. I enjoy it. It's it's not, you know, the the people who I my friends who I write the show with, shows with, and who do the voices of Corny and Really. Um, this is not necessarily their bread and butter, but it's mine. Um, you know, they they watch good stuff like Star Wars and Marvel movies and Game of Thrones. I mean, I do too, but uh, it's the it's the you know, the, the cult films, the B films, the low budget films, as you can see behind me, you know, that's, that's what I collect. That's my, you know, that's my thing. And, uh, they're invited in every once in a while to participate in, you know, B movie riffing with me. And, uh, you know, thanks killing three. We've been doing this for a while, you know, thanks killing three. I just made that episode back in November of 2019, you know, episode 122. But, uh, even to this day, a movie like that will trip them up. And uh, I incorporate that into the riffing of the clips where if someone, if I'm just screaming like, you know, and, and, or like, no, stop. That's me jotting down, you know, their, what they're screaming at the television because they just want the film to end. Um, and I just think it's funny. You know, There's a knee jerk reaction. Like when I watch one of these movies, I'm actually trying to think of riffs and references and jokes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like I had a riff in there of uh, there's like a talking pie in the beginning of the movie. Yep. And so I make a reference to a talking pie in the episode of the Simpsons with Ron Howard and um, their brains might not necessarily have gone there, but mine did. So I wrote that down. Mine did. You know, talking. Pie. Yeah, of course. You know, people his, who his get best it, friend get is it. a talking pie. How would you've yeah. done it again? Right. <laughs> Um, so, you know, I put that in there, but sometimes they just are, their, their knee jerk reaction to the film is just pain. So I'll write that in there because they're just not having a good time. Well, I mean, a true artist suffers for his art. I mean, that's just, (laughs) I mean, it's all in good fun. They do enjoy doing it. Otherwise they wouldn't come over. They, they know what they're in for, um, most of the time. But uh, sometimes, you know, we'll, I'll throw them a curveball, something like Thanks Killing 3, and, you know, they'll disperse as soon as the movie is over and they'll go home and bleach you know, their eyeballs for hours or something. They're <laughs> <laughs> mad. <laughs> no, I, I, I totally get it. And, like, I think this is a really, really good, um, a really good uh, concept. And I, I really. I'm I'm hoping that you get this funded. I know we're down to the final. Uh, I have the Kickstarter yeah, page well, pull up. You know, uh, you have 41 like said, hours like, to go. Licensing films is not cheap. 
And I knew that going in and obviously there's a pandemic going on and there's all kinds of things that, uh, you know, they were my hurdles. You know, I've, I've done two Kickstarters before and I only asked for 500 bucks the first time and I ended up getting like 7,600, which is, you know, far, far more than I mm -hmm. asked. People just kept donating like crazy. But this was uh, last year, February 2019, when there wasn't a pandemic and people weren't, you know, uh, pinching pennies. Uh, so I understand right now, like if we don't meet our goal, I'm not going to be like some depressed, sulking, like, why didn't anyone donate? It's like, well, you know, I know why people didn't donate. Um, you know, I, I certainly can't uh, fund them myself. And that's why I made a Kickstarter. But, uh, you know, if, if this doesn't happen, that's OK. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll reconfigure something and figure something out later. Uh, this was just kind of an experiment to see, like, well, with Troma, Lloyd used to give me those movies handpicked himself for free. Um, but now I'm branching out and trying to license movies from other companies who aren't giving me their movies for free. So it, it's a different beast. And um, if, if this doesn't work, you know, it's a, it's a lesson learned. Um, but it's also, you know, if I didn't attempt to do this, I wouldn't have known if it would be a success or not. Yeah, I mean, and at the same time, you know, this, you know, maybe this puts you out there, you know, like, because I've been trying to share it, and I know a lot of folks who are independent filmmakers, and maybe somebody's like, oh, well, I'm trying to get some exposure for my film. Hey, why don't you, you know, take a shot at my film? You know, like, I can, yeah. you know, something like that. I, I, submissions. I've, I've gotten quite a few submissions for at least um, movies to watch on a rainy afternoon in the past. Um, there was actually a time, maybe about three years ago, where I got so many submissions from people that I kind of had to stop because it was like, hey, I, I had other movies, you know, in mind for this year, um, and I, I'd like to do those. But if all I did were like people submitting their own indie films, then that's all my show would have been for a while was just like in indie films upon indie films. But I did a couple. Uh, and then I just started working with Troma and I just became the, the Troma show. And then I made my spinoff Troma show, you know, the Troma masterpiece. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I still had my pile of indie films that people did submit to me, but I, I did do a couple. Um, one of which um, was by Kansas Bowling. I don't know if you're familiar with her at all. I am. Yeah. She made the movie BC Butcher and that got distributed by Troma. Uh, she was also in Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in yep. Hollywood that came out last summer. She played one of the Manson girls. Yep. But um, because, you know, I was working with Troma and her film was being distributed by Troma, you know, Lloyd said that I could use that film for a rainy afternoon, but I felt kind of weird about it because it's like, well, you know, Lloyd said it was cool, sure, but he didn't direct the film. So I reached out to her through Instagram and I asked her, like, hey, can I use your film? Lloyd said it was cool, but I want to know if it's cool from you personally. And not only was she cool with it, she sent me an autographed DVD. That's so cool. that, that that was really cool. Yeah, she seems like a uh, a delightful individual from the, uh, the minimal interactions that I have had. Uh, she seems mm -hmm. like a, a great person. So that's... That's always good to hear. Um, so right now, where we stand, uh, like I said, I have the page pulled up. Uh, there's 41 hours remaining. Uh, you've got about 41% funded. And yeah. what we're looking for people to do is, 
you know, like I said in the posts in this group and in Throwdown Thursday, is give you their dollars. You know, like you said, it's it's a tough time right now. Uh, right. A lot I mean, of people even are a single dollar will get you something. Um, it's not just like you know a dollar wasted or whatever. Like I'm, I'll give you an IMDb credit. You know what I mean? Like I'll craft it myself, and you get a special thanks. You know, those credits do exist on IMDb. Um, I have know, one myself. Yeah, you know, several, a similar you know. thing. You know, I, I've, I've, I backed a film. I, I think it was called Steal Your Face with uh, Kaylee Williams. I, I backed that, and I totally forgot that I had that IMDb credit. I mean, for something as cheap as a dollar, and you just throw it out there, like, whatever, take it. Or even, like, with riff tracks, you know, I'll, I'll donate a buck, you know, for, for, like, a live show for a riff tracks, and you get, like, ten digital shorts, you know? Um, I don't have 10 digital shorts, but I do have, you know, 120 free, uh, riff views of movies to watch on a rainy afternoon on YouTube and stuff. So if you like, you know, you can look that up and if you like what you see, you know, um, you can contribute to this project and we, we only hope to get bigger and bigger. Yeah. And, you know, I know that this isn't your be all end all that, you know, you have contingency plans in place that, you know, we probably had a plan B for anything oh yeah i mean you have to you you have to always you know especially you know in the filmmaking industry you know you know i've talked to so many different people where it's like oh we wanted to do this but you know a dog barked or it was too windy oh, out, yeah. or yeah. you know so you ran out to- of blood or something halfway through the shoot and then you you know now we, you're you're we you're actually killed. had to kill the actor so yeah. <laughs> um but yeah you, you've you've got plans so you know, I want to make sure people have you on their radar. So definitely go to YouTube and check out some of his free episodes. Like they're well done. The, the production value is better in your YouTube channel than in some of the movies that you cover. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, And it's, it's very funny. Um, Again, I I keep going back to thanks killing because that's just burned into my cerebral <laughs> cortex and it's never going away it's like getting a song stuck in your head only this is forever have you ever seen the first thanks killing just by itself i have not really but oh it, wow it was one of my uh one of my trivia questions this past saturday when we did the uh, angry nerd trivia throwdown and the question was the uh the holiday the horror movie based on the november holiday is called thanks what and it was like thanks gutting thanks killing thanks obama or thanks gutting or yeah something or thanks getting you know and you know obviously everybody got it right you know it was thanks obama and uh but you know and that's i kind of use that as a segue to push bring it yeah to push your uh, your kickstarter because that thanks killing three like I love the fact that, like, you know, you... you, you After I had done my episode, you know, I did a little bit of research just on the film, just just for fun. Um, And it raised, like, $250,000 through a Kickstarter back in 2012 or something like that because the first movie is considered, like, a cult classic. I certainly don't. But um, some people, it's, like, their Thanksgiving tradition, you know, like... For Christmas, some people might like to watch Black Christmas 
or, you know, Halloween is obviously the Halloween franchise. Um, you know, you've got April Fool's Day, you've got My Bloody Valentine, but for Thanksgiving, it's a very limited selection. So all you really have is like Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving 3, because Thanksgiving 3 actually skips Thanksgiving 2. There is no Thanksgiving 2, because the plot of Thanksgiving 3 is the killer turkey searching for the last remaining copy of Thanksgiving 2, because all the DVD copies had been burned. Um, so... The very meta, you know, film breaks the fourth wall and stuff, acknowledges the fact that these are a series of films. But um, that first one was made in like 2009, I think. And between 2009 and 2012, I mean, I don't know if it was like through Amazon streaming, if that existed then, I don't know, I don't remember. Or if it was like Netflix or something, but that movie got a huge cult following. And so Thanksgiving 3 managed to raise like $250,000 through Kickstarter, some crazy number like that. And uh, yeah, I just thought that was interesting that, uh, you know, a movie like that, because if you watch that first movie, it's it's really bad. I mean, um, I, I, I don't get the appeal, but, uh, you know, everyone's got different tastes. Yeah, exactly. That's why they make chocolate and vanilla. Like I say that all the time. Um, you know, just because one person, you know, doesn't like it doesn't mean like there might be people out there that absolutely love Thanksgiving 3. It's not my cup of tea, but you no, know, it's not mine either. <laughs> I mean, you know, like you you make some really good jokes about it and like that's one of the things I like about your channel and what you do and why I want to support you so much is because of everything that you're doing, uh, like you put a lot of effort into it. It's not, you know, like I keep saying, it's not just you sitting in front of your TV, you know. Right. You go on YouTube and you see a lot of people's reviews are just them sitting the way that we are sitting and talking directly into their uh, computer monitor, holding up a copy of the DVD, and then it's just like a rant. You know, a four or five minute rant or something and it's just like well that's not interesting incorporate clips you know let's let's see some jokes or something let's you know make a make a presentation about it let's see some you know showmanship and uh that's that's kind of you know what i'm all about yeah and i think you do it very well because we get to see like all these different things like you know there's a point where Unless I'm mistaken, you're wearing like a turkey outfit, or oh, you, yeah. know, you, turkey outfit. you have your like, oh, it's time for my traditional Thanksgiving dinner. And it's like, oh, a shitload of ramen. And like, you know, you just have like various cans of like random things. I'm guessing that's like whatever happened to be in the, in the cupboard at the time. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It was just like, oh, my roommates, you know, went grocery shopping this weekend. I will borrow those cans of food temporarily use them as props and just put them back in the cupboard and then he'll eat them next week you know yeah, it's like oh yes my traditionally like oh here is a can of creamed eels and uh, yeah. a delicious glass yeah. of Bar- you know, barbecue beans or something you know yeah, like, just like, <laughs> I don't need that stuff it was just, that was just what was in the cupboard and I thought that was great because you know it's it's low budget, and I think what we need to do is we need to, like, especially when it comes to independent films and low budget films, we need to kind of uh, differentiate that between bad films. Because, you know, like you were saying, Thanks Killing 3, $250,000 they raised for that movie. 
right, but it's terrible. And it, it, if it was two hundred and fifty cents, I would have been surprised. Yeah. You know, but like you said, it's it's the production it's, value is good. Value is good. It's just the content in the film is very unfunny, and it just kind of doubles down on its own humor, and uh, it gets very grating after a while, you know? Yeah. And that's a whole different thing, too, is, like, riffing on an unfunny comedy. It's not easy. Um, So you have to sort of branch out a little bit and think of different things. Like, you see a pie? Oh, my brain tells me, you know, Simpsons pie, like I said. Mm -hmm. Or, um, you know, you just have to start thinking of different things because you can't just keep saying that's not funny. That's not funny over and over and over again. Um, because that's not funny. That's not creative. Right. You know, but you know, the point I was going to make is, you know, you have a movie like that, that has this huge, you know, relative giant budget. Well, that and, kind of film, that's a big budget. And you look at a film that I absolutely love an independent film that I absolutely love. That was uh, uh, bad CGI sharks. That their budget, uh, I w- I asked them what their budget was, and they're like, "Oh, it was like, you know, five thousand two hundred and forty-eight dollars. No, five thousand two hundred and fifty-four dollars and twelve cents because we 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 supersized our lunch one day, you know, like, yeah. And the production value is great. They have great CGI. Like, it's a really well-made movie, and it's, you know, a tiny fraction of what this was so it's i i really want to get people you know if if i don't teach anyone anything other than the fact that uh you know low budget or uh independent is not synonymous with bad like no that's what i'm going for i mean although that does happen a lot it's more it's what you do with the money um you know, it's how you spend it and what you put on the screen. Uh, you know, you could spend a million dollars and deliver some junk that's, you know, not creative or it wasn't crafted well or it's not funny. Um, but, yeah, with $5,000, I mean, you can do a lot with $5,000. You know, I've, I've worked with $5,000 and, you know, we made for Masterpiece 2 with $5,000 and uh, mainly – that was just to create the DVDs, um, you know, mass burn them. And uh, I spent a lot of the money on just shipping envelopes and ship, uh, shipping envelopes and shipping them out. Um, and the majority of that cash, like we bought some new microphones and, you know, we used a, a movie theater. Uh, but that was it. Um, and uh, I mean, just on Sunday night, um, your Masterpiece 2 just won Best Feature at uh, – this convention that happens every July uh, called Gross Fest. And it's, um, it happens every July in Pittsburgh. Uh, they're doing their third annual Gross Fest this year. And I've been going since Gross Fest 1. And uh, I've just been going as a vendor to, you know, sell my merchandise. But uh, never in a million years that I think that, you know, my project that I submit will win anything, let alone best feature. But uh, so that was pretty rewarding. But the fact is, you know, that thing wouldn't have even existed had, you know, 199 Kickstarter backers not donated the first time around. Right. I mean, it's, you know, it's it, Kickstarter is a great tool uh, 
you know, especially if you have a good idea. I mean, there, there's, you know, all kinds of kinds of like crazy stuff that you see on these uh, crowdfunding uh, sites. But, you know, I really like to support the independent creators, you know. Um, you know, there's so much out there and especially for folks who you know if you're going to sit there and complain that oh there's nothing original everything's a sequel prequel reboot or spin-off you know oh i need something original like this is where you're going to find a lot of original content is these crowdfunding sites you know people are looking you know like oh i have this amazing concept for a film and i really want to back this film and get it made but i can't do it because you know, it's just beyond my means, you know, like, you know, this is what I do for work and, you know, I don't make a ton of money. So, you know, I, I really want to get like this part is perfect for, you know, Kane Hodder or Felissa Rose or somebody like that. And, yeah. you know, they aren't free. So. Yeah, you know, we, you know, um, with this Kickstarter, this newest one, I tried to, you know, make, break down as many different reward tiers as possible. Um, you know, for $10, you could get a digital download of either episode. Um, for 20 you can get both. You know, for, if you want both DVDs, it's 30 but if you only want one DVD, it's only 15 And then for, you know, the big spenders, they could get an executive producer credit for 100 bucks. Or an associate producer for two hundred. Um, I put a five hundred dollar producer credit uh, reward on there, uh, where you could also pick the film um, that we're going to do, or you know, could potentially do for an episode three. Um, I, have a, I have a list of movies from Full Moon that they sent to me, and they said, you know, these are the films that we have available in our library to license. So I could forward that list to the $500 producer and just say like, you know, go crazy, you know, pick our next film and I'll, I'll ask full moon. Um, but so I, I wanted to go all over the place for people like if they could only spare $10, you know, yeah, you can get a digital download or, you know, if, if maybe you have a little bit more to, to play with, you know, you could be an associate producer or something. Um, but this money, you know, it, it's not even going towards me. Like I don't need it for production really i mean we we bought our microphones um we bought our cameras and our lights we have all that stuff this money is going into the pockets of blue underground and full moon um you know so if you're fans of those companies uh, you could help them out by helping me out um you know you give me the cash and it's going straight towards them and they can produce something new for us so you know uh, if, if you're a fan, you know, you could see another Puppet Master movie or something, you know, later on down the line mm -hmm. if you want to you know, donate to this Kickstarter because that money is just going to go towards them. Exactly. Like, you know, again, like what we're saying, you know, it's it's not just, you know, like, you know, like you're, what you're doing is you're paying to license this, these films. These films are already made. So whatever mm -hmm. money that you're paying them can now go into newer production. So, again, you know you're looking for something original, like a, a good idea that hasn't been done or hasn't been done to death. You know, you, you can get something original. Like you said, $5,000 goes a long way on, you know, a, a smaller budget film. You know, you, know, you can get, 
you know, pretty good production, you know, and you can get locations and you can, you know, do stuff that you might not be able to do on, you know, a thousand dollar budget. You know, if you're doing it with five thousand, like that's a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I love the fact that, you know, what you're doing is facilitating not only your own project. And again, you have all your own you know, you have all your, your camera and your microphones. Yeah, we already and- have our equipment ready to go. You know, we just finished episode two of uh, True Masterpiece back in January. So, you know, we have the puppets and we have the the equipment, you know, ready to go. It's just collecting dust. We just need to raise some money to license some films. That's all. Right. And and, and those films can then, in, uh, those uh, production companies can then make more art and, you know, maybe give you know, some unknown director a shot at, you know, you know, giving them a larger budget, like, oh, our budget is normally, you know, you know, six, seven hundred bucks. And most of that goes to, you know, renting equipment or whatever. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, OK, we want you to direct, you know, uh, you know, like you were saying, a puppet master sequel. Here's six thousand dollars, you know, go crazy. Yeah. And, you know, or if, if they were already had, you know, if they already had like five thousand to like to begin with, mm-hmm. tech on another five, you know, and now you've got yeah, ten. You just doubled so that, your budget. Or that subspecies sequel or whatever um, can now be even, you know, bigger and better. Yeah, like you can get a, a recognizable name, you know, to kind of give a little to to lend a little weight to your to your film, like which would be awesome. Like that would be. Uh... I'm a huge fan of Full Moon, so um, you know, despite the fact that we want to license something like The Killer Eye to riff on, I have nothing but love for Full Moon. You know, I've been a Puppet Master fan since I was like eight years old, and um, Blue Underground puts out some of the best, uh, you know, 4K Blu-rays on the market right now with the soundtrack CD included with all the you know, Lucho Fulci films and stuff. So they're a great label. Um, and Cannibal's not so good of a film, you know. It's a pretty junky cannibal exploitation film. I don't think anyone's going to try to defend that one. But um, you know, they didn't make that movie; they're just distributing it, and uh, they could license it to me for you know, a couple of years, and you know, we can riff on it and stuff. And there's not gonna, no hard feelings or anything. Um, so that's kind of the fun of you know something with like roast masterpiece or troll masterpiece. Working with trauma is. You know, getting movies from companies that like they get it. You know, they not only are they going to be receiving money, but they're also in on the joke. Um, I've had in the past, I've riffed on movies for movies to watch on a rainy afternoon, and you know, I don't really ask permission for those, except for like Kansas Bowling was the exception, or people who actually submit their films to me, they know what's up. But I've had a couple people have the opposite reaction. And uh, my favorite was about six years ago. I did Ginger Dead Man uh, 3. And um, that film, it is a full moon film. But, uh, you know, if you're familiar with the Ginger Dead Man franchise at all, it's just a killer cookie, you know, killer gingerbread man. Gary Busey. (laughs) Yeah, first movie has Gary Busey. He does not return for two or three. Uh, But the third film... It's like a time travel movie. It was made in 2011, and he gets sucked into a time machine. It goes back to the 1970s. The whole thing take, takes place at a roller disco, and it's a very, very, very bad film. Um, it's a, a, a film I particularly hated, 
And uh, the director of that movie, I was friends with him on Facebook at the time. And I happened to just post it one day. Like We never interacted prior to this. But so I think what happened was I posted the finished episode of the Rift movie to Facebook. He clicked on it and watched it thinking like, oh, movies to watch on a rainy afternoon. That, that means, you know, they're going to be, he's, he's going to be like loving on the film. But that's not what the show is. You know, the, the title is a joke. Um, you know, it's movies really that you shouldn't be watching ever. Uh, but so I think he watched it. He did not like it. And uh, he posted on Facebook that day the link and said, you know, watch this unfunny asshole tear apart my movie Ginger Dead Man 3 that we shot for a nickel over a weekend. You know, and he was like, you know, get out of your parents' basement, maybe smoke a bowl and watch the movie again. And uh, maybe you'll find its hidden cinematic message. And uh, I was like, okay, all right. You know, I don't really sure, have much to, <laughs> I don't really know what to say to that. But I, I was familiar with the director's other work because he started out as, a, as an actor in the 80s and 90s first. It's William Butler, who he was in like Night of the Living Dead, the Tom Savini remake. Um, he plays, I think... Billy, who lights his truck on fire and blows it up. He plays, um, he's in Ghoulies 2. He's in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. He gets hung upside down and the sledgehammer smashes his face off. Um, but uh, the movie I just, I know him from is Friday the 13th Part 7, where it's his birthday party that like all of his friends are gathering for at the lake. And he gets killed off in the first 10 minutes of the film. You know, Jason uh, sticks a railroad spike through his back and like flings him, you know, off the side. So That'll he doesn't do last it. the first 10 minutes of the movie. So my, my rebuttal to his like huge, like, you know, tirade was just, hey, man, I really liked you in Friday the 13th Part 7. Sort of like as an insult where it's like, I liked you in the 10 minutes that you were in the film, but then you died or whatever. He blocked me on Facebook after that one. No, he <laughs> you know, that... it, it looks like he also played the ginger dead man. So it's like directed it <laughs> oh. and played him. Yeah. So he directed the film and voiced the ginger, ginger dead man as well. But uh, I don't know why he posted the video on his own Facebook page the day of, because that got me like a thousand views that day. <laughs> and it's like, oh, Hey, thanks man. Thanks for the promotion. And then all of the comments were like they from his fans weren't defending him they were basically like this guy is funny and this movie is bad you know uh so they were kind of in agreement. um but he, he blocked me on facebook and that was six years ago so i have no idea what's going on in the life of mr william butler anymore i just think that you know you have to understand that you know if you're if you're making something <sighs> There, I, well, under, I understand over the course of a weekend and you don't expect it to like suck or you don't expect people to kind of make fun of it later. Like you're pretty thin, man. Like I understand, you know, having a, a having pride in authorship, pride in ownership. Like this is a movie that you directed and wrote or, you know, directed and acted in. But it's like this isn't Schindler's List. You know, this right. isn't well, Jaws. This isn't, this isn't Jaws. This isn't, 
They're, they're not making a, a box office Spielberg. This isn't, this isn't Sophie's yeah. Choice. You know, like it's. This isn't like something you're going to submit for your consideration for the Oscars. This is Ginger Dead Man Part 3 about a killer cookie that travels through time. To kill like, people at a roller disco. Yeah, and and you're mad that some guy like made a YouTube video and riffed on it for 14 minutes? All right. I mean... You you also have to like understand what you're creating. Like if somebody were to go through and like you know make fun of like you know some of the 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 episodes that we did, you know early on, or like you know make fun of my YouTube videos that I've put up. Like have at it, Haas. Like I understand that some of these are pretty bad, but well, like, it's also you know something like Ginger Dead Man Three that he directed. That that's like a, a gig, you know? That's something that Charles Band probably like reached out to him and asked him, like, hey, you know, we want to make a third one. Would you direct it for us? So he probably got paid, you know, and it was just like a side project for him. And if he, you know, did shoot it over the weekend for a nickel, uh what's he mad about? <laughs> you know, yeah, why like, why would he if this is a project you're doing so you can fund, right? Like, like I'm doing this. I'm taking this job, knowing that it's not, you know, overly glamorous, you know. And I'm not downplaying lo- the work that anybody put into this because anytime you make no. a film, there's a lot of work that goes into it by a lot of people. Well, however, it wasn't funny. You know, it wasn't a good film. Right, and you know, if this is what you're doing so that you can make something else, like, be mad if somebody makes fun of the thing that you you know, did this to make like, right. You know, right. I then like I looked up on his, you know, IMDB credits to see what he may have shot, you know, after ginger dead man three. And it was like episodes of a live action Disney show, you know? And it's like, I don't know if that means your career went up or down because you started out in the horror, you know, genre and now you're directing live action Disney shows. Like maybe they paid better. I don't know. But are you going to be mad if someone makes fun of those episodes of that live action Disney show? Probably not. You know? So I don't know. It just, it seemed very silly to me. Plus the fact that he told me that I needed to smoke a bowl and watch it again. And then he goes on to direct, you know, Disney work. It's like, okay, you know, you're, uh, if what, that's, what is- if that's what it takes, to enjoy your film and like you know uh, unlock its cinematic hidden message right. like you made a Cheech and Chong movie you made a Seth Rogen Jonah Hill movie like yeah. that's what you made and I do want to make sure we get this name correct it's Ginger Dead Man 3 Saturday Night Cleaver yeah. Saturday Night Cleaver because it takes place at a roller disco. Yeah, and like there's a guy who plays Jeffrey Dahmer in the film. Like, just, yeah, the like, the end of the movie, uh, it brings back like Adolf Hitler and Jeffrey Dahmer through time travel, and uh, Lizzie Borden, and they all team up and kill the the ginger dead man Cookie. Um, so you know. The movie already knows like what it's doing. It knows, you know, what 
sort of bad taste it's bordering on. So, how dare you make fun of my time traveling cookie movie? (laughs) He was pissed, man. But it wasn't that that got me blocked. It was my comments. I really loved your work in Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven. You know, the first ten minutes of the movie. Hint, hint. We know that you died in the first ten minutes. Like, great job, dude. That's what got me blocked on Facebook. He had enough. Like I, I don't know. I I have spoken with enough people who have done. You know, it's all about paying your dues. Like if you want to get good roles in good properties, you know, I have talked to a lot of people. Like, yeah, I directed this or I was in this. You know, but I'm using that. You know, I'm getting all these IMDb credits. I'm getting this, this. Um, you know, experience, like I'm learning how to do all these different things, you know, like I'll do, you know, I have a couple of friends who they take turns, like they'll write a movie together and one of them will direct and one of them will be the DP, like, and they'll, they'll go back and forth on that because they each have like uh, specific experience and, you know, they, they know uh, how to work well with each other. So like there are folks who are doing stuff like that, but you know if you're if you know you've made a bad film and have somebody call you out on it and then you get mad like you know i've talked I'm, to plenty of people that are like yeah like i don't want to talk about this film because i know how bad it is like i understand that it's bad yeah i was in it and yeah it's listed in my imdb credits like i don't want i'm not going to name any names but there are people that are talking like I don't want to talk about this project. Like, don't bring this up at all because I have nothing good to say. And, you know, if we're being recorded, I don't want to be like, oh, yeah, well, it was a lot of fun to do this. And the director was great. And the the idea and the, you know, they understand that it was bad. And at the same time, it's, you know, like they realize that. And if you were to be like, hey, I saw you in this this movie was terrible and you were terrible in it, they'd be like, yeah, you know, maybe my heart wasn't in it because I was just doing this for a paycheck. Yeah. I mean, I can understand just doing something for a paycheck. Uh, You know, if somebody offered me, you know, a hefty sum to just kind of phone it in, sure. I'll take it. But then if it's like some guy on YouTube craps on it, who cares? I just did it for a paycheck. Right. Like, I don't think that, you know, um, you know, this is a poor example because I really enjoyed the movie, but uh, sci fis Megalodon, you know, that has um, uh, uh, Michael Madsen in it. And like Michael Madsen has been in a bunch of Tarantino films. Like, yeah, I mean, career is like, like, I don't brings his E game. But then when it's something, you know, made for the sci-fi channel, it probably was just a paycheck and he just is hanging out for a couple weeks. I mean, I don't think he was bad in it. I don't think he gave a poor performance, but at the same time, like, I don't look at that like, Oh, this guy's career must be, you know, on the download. Maybe he was just like, you know what? I have a kid that's going through college and, uh, I need some extra money and maybe I'll, I'll do this. You know, like you see that, you see that a lot with some of these, you know, low budget films. I mean, like, Shit, uh, Eric Roberts was in uh, Sharktopus. Oh, man, that dude, his his IMDb credits know no bounds, you know? Yeah, like, and it's also, it could be, you know, yeah, I, you know, I was in, you know, 
you know, the best Batman movie of all time in The Dark Knight. But, like, I really love this type of stuff. Like, it's oddly, yeah, I was the bad guy in The Expendables, but fuck it, I want to do a, a Sharktopus movie. I've always wanted to work with Roger Corman. Like, this is amazing. Like, I, I, I th- someone told me a funny story about him being in The Expendables where, I mean, he just took the role, didn't really read the scripts. And so when he showed up to shoot um, a scene with Sylvester Stallone, like, he knew his lines, but he didn't know what the context of the scene was because he didn't really, he wasn't very familiar with the script. So when Sylvester Stallone kind of had to like tell him like, this is the motivation for your character. This is the plot of the movie. He was like, that's the plot of the movie. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't know. I'm just here to read my lines. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it, but if somebody gave me that script and was like, Hey, here's this movie, you know, here's who's in it. I'd be like, yeah, sign me up. Sure, of course. I mean, I don't. I don't care me. what I what I what I'm doing. Uh, we need you to, you know, have sex with a, a a buffalo. I'll get paid, right? Like, like right. it's just a character. It's not me. Like, I'm fine with that. But yeah, like you know, you see these guys that that you know that make these films. Like, they're not bad actors. Like, I've seen a ton of these independent films, and I love them because people are giving everything that they have like you know and i i've watched some of these these independent films and i will continue watching like anytime it's like oh this actor is in this movie well i will go see that movie even if they only have a bit part because i want to see them in it like i watched a movie called uh triassic world which the plot was was that i've heard i've heard of it but i've never seen it the plot I own it on digital. Uh, the plot is um, there is a company that is growing, that is a cloning dinosaurs to be harvested for their organs to be put into humans. So it's okay. a ridiculous concept to begin with. I don't know how that would work, but all right. Yeah, whatever. But one of the actors in it is uh, Paulina Laurent from Megalodon, and I really liked her in that. So I was like. I'm going to watch this because I thought she was great and she was great. And the, the actress whose name is escaping me. I, I want to make sure I get it right, but she, um, the actress who played the villain was so good. Uh, Haley Williams. Yep. I thought that's what it was. Haley J Williams. She was phenomenal as the, the, uh, the bad guy, so to speak. Um, it was so much fun to watch. Like I don't care about what the uh, what the plot is. Like, and you can tell that these folks are putting in their time, and they're you know they're building up their their resume. Like you know, uh, yeah. One of the the folks I bring up all the time is uh, Dominic Pace, who played the uh, the lead, the Captain Streeper in uh, in Megalodon. And he has a role in The Mandalorian. Like, he's front and center in one in the big standoff scene in Episode 3. He's standing right next to Carl Weathers. And he now has, like, a Wikipedia page because, you know, he was this distinct Star Wars bounty hunter. Like, you put in your time. Right, you'll, you'll get there. But if you, were, if you were to ask him, like, yeah, I've done some roles that, you know, you know, 
I did because I wanted to get experience. I'm sure he would say that, you know. I mean, everyone's got to start somewhere. Yeah, I mean, like, and there are directors, you know, who have done, like, it's like, oh, I directed one episode of, you know, some kids show, and next thing you know, they're directing, you know, a big-budget Marvel film or, you know, a big-budget, you know, disaster movie, you know, something crazy. But, like, you know, you start somewhere, and for somebody to get, like, so mad about, like, oh, you made fun of my time-traveling cookie movie in which, you know, my my anthropomorphic cookie gets killed by, you know... Hitler. Yeah, Hitler, Hitler and Lizzie Hitler. Borden. Yeah. That'd be like, you know, if somebody was like, you know, I really don't buy the fact that Brad Dorif would, you know, really put his soul into a into a, 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 a little kid's doll and try to murder people. And it's like, that's like... Academy Award winner Brad Dorif, you know, uh, you know, I think people take roles and take jobs either to facilitate other projects or just because they enjoy it. Like one of my favorite actors of all time is Nick Cage. I love Nick Cage because he gives he's in. I don't care what it is. 200 percent, no matter what he does. But if you were to be like, Man, Ghost Rider was awful, and you were over the top. You know, he wouldn't be like, "Oh, screw you!" That's my crowning masterpiece. It's like, no, I have an Oscar for leaving Las Vegas. Doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter. You know, it's like Stallone making all those like you know awful you know uh, repetitive uh, action movies in in the you know just look at how the Rambo franchise has progressed. You know, yeah, again, this is a dude with, you know, multiple Oscar nominations. You know, he has Oscars. He has Golden Globes, not just for writing and directing, but for acting like he is a legit actor. Like when I showed my wife uh, First Blood the first time, she was like, I take back everything I have ever said about his acting. Or even the first couple Rockies. I mean, he wrote and directed, you know, the first. Oh, did he direct? I don't think he directed the first one. I think no, he directed he did. He, he wrote and directed, like, the first four or five. Okay. I feel like one of them he did not direct it. But either way, the writing and the acting in those films are so good. And, right. yeah, I mean. I mean, Rocky uh, Rocky won the entire, ca- like, him, Talia Shire, Burt Young, and Burgess Meredith all got nominated for Oscars. I mean, like. Yeah. And, you know, you get that out of the way, you get your Oscar winner out of the way, then you can just have fun, you know, just do whatever you want. I mean, it's not, you know, uh, what is it, like the weekend at Stud and Kitties, like, you know, that softcore porn that he was in? Because then he did something else, like the Italian Stallion, unless that's the same movie. It might, like, that might have been his his role, but it was like the weekend at Stud and Kitties or something, and like... May have been retitled the Italian Stallion and re-released after Rocky to like bank on that, but like that's what he made in order to make Rocky. Right. I mean, he doesn't care about that. I mean, like look at uh, Tarantino's first film, which was uh, Reservoir Dogs. Like the like what he did to get that made. Like, like that was awesome. You know, he's always said that if he hadn't been. Uh, a director, he would have ended up being uh, a criminal. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you I I, maybe with him, there's not, you know, like he, he might be like one of the examples, like Spielberg, you know, it's like Spielberg's made 
some questionable films. Like not every every single one of his movies has you know knocked it out of the park. Especially recently, unfortunately. I'm not a big fan of a lot of his stuff as in the last like, I don't know, 10, 15 years. Right. Like Ready Player One, like Ready Player One was good. I I, I mean I thought it was okay. It was like better than some of his other stuff, you know. But like, you know, there are certain things that he knocks completely out of the park and there's other times where he uh, i mean like even ridley scott or you know james cameron like they occasionally right miss like avatar looked awesome but the not his best film not for me you know i saw it once in theaters and that was it that was enough i watched it once partially at you know during on a fourth of july like when there were some fireworks and we were trying to see the fireworks too but we also watched it on an old tube TV, so I had to rewatch it earlier. And it's like, eh, I, I watched it earlier this year, and I was like, yeah, it's not bad. Like, it, I think it's one of those movies that where the gimmick is the movie, you know, or like the movie is a gimmick, and you yeah. have to see like IMAX 3D because then like watching it 2D at home, it's just like, well, now I'm just watching a cartoon. Uh, this is not going to translate. I mean, look at a. Uh, uh... You know, I probably shouldn't keep going on with this, but I want to bring up George Miller, who did Happy Feet, you know, around a, Mad Max. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like... I've never seen Happy Feet, but uh, I know that's part of his resume. And that's the, and Babe, you know, Babe, the, the Talking Pig movie. He made that, too. What was it? There was somebody that just made a movie. Uh, it was something recent, and, like, their claim to fame was, like, oh, I was one of the four directors on the shrek yule log and it's like shrek you like and it's just like one of those things on facebook or not facebook sorry netflix where it's just a log burning in a fire that you can play on your tv it's like you got a director credit for that right and now you're directing like some big budget movie like what the hell right yeah i want that career (laughs) Uh, all right what's your motivation uh your log okay and you're on fire. Oh, so I should be running around it. No, just, oh, just I wonder I wonder if it's the Shrek you will log, then maybe like do the do, do we hear commentary from the characters at all? I don't think so. I think it's just Shrek themed. That's weird. I mean, like I yeah, I don't know how you direct that either. If it's just a burning log. Yeah, it's like, all right, fire. Your motivation is you're trying to burn this log, but you never will. Like, I I I could imagine if the characters were involved in some way, like maybe you hear them maybe commenting on the Yule Log or something, or maybe singing a Christmas tune. I don't know. But if that's not the case, then I don't know what that would be. Yeah, I, I honestly, uh, it, it it baffled me as well. Yeah, it doesn't make any I sense. Mean, whatever. No existence, so... All right, so we've been going for about an hour now, and I don't want to get any further off the topic, but uh, I do want to let folks know, again, uh, I will post links in the show notes, and I have posted them everywhere. Uh, I've talked about it on several of the episodes that we've uh, that we've done for Throwdown Thursday because we, we really want this to be, uh, to be funded. And if it doesn't, you know, let, you know, we'll obviously... Yeah, I mean, if it doesn't get funded, you know, at least... At the moment, there's 110 backers, which mm. is a lot of people. Um, so that's at least 110 people who did contribute, and those people are awesome. 
Um, you know, and uh, maybe in a couple of months when the pandemic has died down a little bit more, you know, fingers crossed, just in general, if that happens. Stay and, home and wear your masks, people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, don't go to the beach. When when the pandemic dies down and people, you know, start getting back to work and stuff or and are on their feet financially, maybe I'll try it again. But, uh, you know, if I hadn't tried this for the summer, I thought maybe it could be a fun summer project. Throw some money at Full Moon and Blue Underground and then knock out, you know, some Roast Masterpiece episodes over the course of the next couple of months. But, you know, if that doesn't happen, oh, well, it's back to the drawing board. I, I do have a plan B that does it still involves the puppets and some riffing. But, uh, you know, we'll just see where that goes um, if this project doesn't uh, get funded. But, you know, I hope it gets funded. I just, you know, we're not even halfway there and there's only two days left. So, yeah, maybe everybody's just waiting to get paid on uh, on the first. I mean, some people do wait until the last minute. Like, I'm pretty sure on the last day of my Trill Masterpiece Kickstarter for Poultry Geist, I mean, that last day, we probably raked in at least one to $2,000 just like the last day. And it's like, where was everybody for the first, you know, 29 days? Like, this is a day 30 and you're all piling on. Like, thank you. But hey, as long as it gets done. I mean, it's awesome. It's, it's you know, and for people who you know don't really know how Kickstarter works, um, if it doesn't get funded, nobody gets charged, you know, anything. So the 110 people who have already backed, you know, if the Kickstarter doesn't meet its goal, those people won't get charged a dime. Like I won't, I won't get anything. So it's not that uh, even if the Kickstarter doesn't, like if it doesn't meet its goal. Those people don't have to worry that they'll get charged for like a failed project or anything like that. You know, like if it's all or nothing. So, you know, if you throw in a hundred bucks or 10 bucks or something like tonight and then on Wednesday, the thing doesn't get funded, like don't even worry about it. You won't get charged for it. Right. Yeah. Because with with Kickstarter, I know it's different with Indiegogo. Indiegogo takes your money right away. Indiegogo, your credit card or your PayPal does get charged that day. Um, and then, you know, the, the person running the campaign gets that money no matter what, but with Kickstarter, it's, it's all or nothing. So yeah, Kickstarter, you only get, you only get charged and the, uh, the creator only gets the money if it gets fully funded. So if you say you like, all right, I'm going to go for that, that high end producer credit, I'm going to put $500 in and, you know, so you choose that, but it doesn't hit the goal. Well, you're not going to get charged that $500. You get to keep your, all your, all these people keep their money, you know, right. if, if this doesn't go through on Wednesday. Right. Nobody's been charged yet. You know, you've, you've raised about $6,400, but nobody's been charged yet. Nobody has, no. uh, you know, like Nobody none of that's in your pocket. Moment, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you really have nothing to lose right now. Um, Cause there's, there's no, there's not going to be any exchanging of funds unless the Kickstarter meets its goal. Yeah, I I think it's uh, it's definitely worth, um, it's worth throwing your money at. Um, like I know uh, I get paid on on. Uh, I paid. No, I don't get paid on the first, but I I have some money in my account that I can throw at this. That I I, you know I I want the, you know the the Blu-rays, like and I will because I like the physical media, so I will definitely go for that. So it's, it surprised me a little bit how um, how many digital downloads I've like perks have been uh, 
claimed just because I'm a, I'm a physical media person myself. You know, I don't really go over the digital download stuff, but a lot of people have gone for the digital download stuff. And it's, it's kind of cool in a way because it's like, well, all I have to do is just send them a quick time, you know, as soon as it's done, it's like instant, you know, feedback. I don't have to burn any DVDs or order any DVDs and send it to them and then wait to hear if they liked it or not. It would, it's basically just like, Oh, the episode's done. Here you go. You know, download it. And let me know what you think. Yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting. It's kind of weird. You know, I, I didn't do that for any of my previous Kickstarters, but this one I did, and a lot of people jumped on it. And it's like, wow, you know, um, a lot of people aren't collecting DVDs like they used to. It's definitely something to to keep in mind. Like, you know, even if this doesn't hit its funding, you can look at it and like, okay, you know, what worked, what didn't. Like, you know. I will definitely, you know, maybe charge a little more for the digital downloads next time. You know, it's like, oh, you yeah. get the digital. Like, it's uh, $900 for digital. And uh, yeah. we also give you a thank you in the uh, in IMDb. People are like, oh, it's a lot, but uh, I don't have a lot of space in my apartment. So, all right, 900 bucks it is. And that way, you wouldn't even have to sell that many. No, it would, that Kickstarter would be met. Within a couple of days. Yeah, you get 110 people giving you $900 a piece. I mean, that's 10 grand right there. <laughs> right, I mean, that's almost a Kickstarter. Right, I mean, that's and that's what you do. Like, you know, it's like the uh, there's a Foxtrot cartoon where this uh, the, the dad is trying to, uh, he signs up for like, you know, like, oh, I'm going to become a millionaire. Like, you know, it's it's like, oh, I paid, you know, $200 for, for this uh, pamphlet. And it's like, oh, how do you become a millionaire? You know, come up with a product for $200, get, you know, 50,000 people to buy it. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, well, well, what's the product? Uh, this pamphlet telling you this is what you should do. <laughs> yeah. Just get some poor sap involved. Yeah. Pay, get, you know, find something that's, that's $200, get 50,000 people to buy it. Congratulations, you're a millionaire. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, and that's, you know, reverse mortgages. Um, so, Leah, like I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna post a uh, I'm gonna put a link in the show notes. And um, Addison, where do you uh, where do you like people following you on your uh, social medias? Um, well, I mean, I'm, I'm on uh, Twitter, just Addison Vinick. You know, um, on Instagram, Facebook, uh, you can follow. You know, you could find the YouTube channel. Just by typing in Tro Masterpiece Theater or Movies to Watch on a Rainy Afternoon, and my channel is Jab Products, that's capital J-A-B, and then lowercase products. Um, you know, all the content's on there for free for anyone who wants to check it out. And, uh, yeah, I'm on all the social media, you know, pages and stuff like that, so very easy to get a hold of. Yeah, and I'm going to – I'm going to uh, – I am going to uh, pull a – a quote from Betty White from The Simpsons. If you watch even one second of uh, the YouTube channel and you don't contribute to the Kickstarter, you are a thief, a common thief. <laughs> oh, calm down, calm down. I'm sorry, but these thieves just make me so damn mad. You know who you are, thieves. <laughs> if I could have Betty White in my corner, I mean, that'd be incredible. Oh, man. I mean, just imagine, like, oh, buy this, you know, like, contribute, like, Oh, if you could get her like like oh you know a hundred you know we're trying to raise a hundred grand to get Betty White to to play the uh, talking popcorn like 
have to tell your buddy. Sorry, you're uh, you're you're kicked out for this one. Yeah, we got Betty White. I think maybe he'd understand. <laughs> he should. I'll be in my trailer. <laughs> yeah, eating popcorn. Uh, but that's awesome. Thank you for uh, for spending the time. Uh, I always enjoy talking to you. I mean, we had a, a long show last time, and then you and I ended up chatting for like another two hours after the uh, yeah after we finished. Uh, I I can't do that today because I have to edit this and put it together. But uh, I really do appreciate you you spending the time, and um, you know, obviously we're uh, we're friends on Facebook, so we can keep in touch. And I definitely want to. Uh, be aware of all of your your projects because uh like i said even if this one doesn't pan out for you uh hey, it, would, it, it would be the one out of three kickstarters that failed and uh you know oh the one that failed during a pandemic not really something to be super embarrassed about right i mean and uh, you know whatever you end up doing in the future i want to i want to try and support you so yeah. you know whatever you've got going on you know keep me in the loop and uh, you know we'll have you back on again we'll talk about this uh so yeah um addison thank you once again and um we'll take a quick break and uh i will be right back deadly grounds coffee knows how important your coffee is to you every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Greetings! We are the Retro Reductopus Cephala Podcast, a bi-weekly show that celebrates all the things that made growing up awesome. He's right. We wax philosophic about lots of geeky crap like old video games and movies, toys, cartoons, I don't know, help me out here. Music, pants, quoting video games that don't have dialogues, shabibans, tasty news, unnecessarily long Japanese onomatopoeia, butt breathers, uncomfortable nature facts, or how to install a samoplange. And unlike all those other podcasts, we at Retroidoctopus have an exciting rotating host schedule. Do we? We sure do. So, if you didn't like the guy flapping his gums this week, like me, worry not, gentle listener. Next week, we'll have a whole new host. Of problems. Hey, they might still suck, but they'll suck differently. And you know what's really cool? Retroidoctopus is part of the Dorkening and Inebriar Podcast Networks with new episodes every Tentacle Tuesday. Which is like every other Tuesday. We named it. Anyways, you can listen to us at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or any podcast player cool enough to carry the only show that celebrates all things that make growing up awesome. I'm Matthew. I'm Jason. I'm Matteo. And we're Majemma. The creators of Bad CGI Sharks. And you're listening to the Shark Bites Podcast. You're going to need a bigger boat. I do hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, I had a lot of fun chatting with Addison. Um, I do want to uh, apologize for the infrequency of my episodes recently. 
Uh, things have been super, super busy and super crazy around here. Uh, it's been tough to just concentrate on uh, Throwdown Thursday and, you know, my my nine to five job, um, you know, with all kinds of things going on. And, um, you know, I've got a lot of projects that I'm kind of bouncing around in the air. Uh, so I don't know how frequently this is going to come out. I don't think I'm going to be doing this every week anymore. I think this is going to be an every other week thing unless uh, there's a specific um, specific interview or specific, uh, you know, uh, event that I want to cover. Um, I've got a lot of interviews coming up uh, with folks uh, this, this week particularly. Uh, before I chatted with Addison, uh, I was on with Leo from the Dorkening, uh, we have a uh, an independent creator show that's going to be coming out. Uh, so we chatted with some folks about the film Driven, which uh, there will be a uh, a review for uh, on the Throwdown Thursday podcast website, which is uh, if you are unfamiliar, throwdownthursdaypodcast.com. dot com. Um, so there'll be uh, a review of that movie up. Uh, there's also going to be uh, an interview with. Uh, Another uh, awesome actress that uh, I've gotten a chance to uh, speak with a couple of times. So if you are a fan of the show uh, or a fan of Throwdown Thursday or, you know, someone who has followed along with uh, the movie reviews and such that I've done, you will recognize her. Uh, If not, you should definitely familiarize yourself with her because she is a phenomenal person and a very talented actress. Um, I will also... Uh, like I said, there will be links to uh, Addison's Kickstarter here. Uh, if you can help him out, if not, um, you know, you know, we, uh, you know, we chatted a little bit off air. I, I have an idea of what he's going to be doing, which is pretty awesome. Uh, so just in case this doesn't, uh, this doesn't get fully funded, he does have uh, backup plans because, uh, you know, he is a very talented uh, creator and uh, he works with some awesome people as well. So definitely check out uh, Movies for a Rainy Afternoon on uh, on um, YouTube. Sorry, the, uh, it's like I said, it's been a long day and it's getting on towards midnight at this point. Um, yeah, I, I definitely was hoping that he, he's going to get funded and, you know, he still might. You know, there's still, uh, you know, 40, 39, 40 hours left until... The uh, the Kickstarter finishes, so uh, who knows? We'll see. Um, you know, maybe we get a big spike on the first because of uh, people getting paid and whatnot. But yeah, we uh, I had an interview with a uh, very talented director and artist uh, Jeremy Joseph Aruda on um, on Sunday, and that uh, interview uh, is on the website. Uh, it's all text. Um, there's no uh, no audio recording of that, so it was just uh, me asking him questions and him responding on uh, on uh, Facebook Messenger, which I have no issue with. Uh, you know, I did uh, I did an interview with Steve Alton that was completely over email. I've done that before with the uh, women in horror questions, so I'm I'm comfortable doing uh, interviews with folks pretty much over any medium. If you want to come on the show, you can come on the show. If you don't want to come on the show, you know, you want to, you know, interact via text, Facebook Messenger, you know, any other uh, medium like that, uh, I'm I'm all for it. So 
Uh, check out that interview with uh, Jeremy Joseph Aruda, uh, who directed the fantastically bizarre uh, Strawberry Lane, which we do talk about a little bit in the uh, interview. And if you are interested, you can uh, swing on over to It Came From The 508 uh, website, and uh, you can buy his uh, you can buy his Blu-ray for ten dollars. Uh, it's a very disturbingly bizarre film, and I absolutely love it. Uh, I definitely think that uh, folks should check it out. And I am uh, let's see, we have the two interviews tonight. I have another interview tomorrow. I have recently started writing for WomenInHorror.net. Um, I should have an interview, and I'm sorry, a uh, review of The Last of Us Part 2 up there soon. Um, I submitted it. I'm just waiting for uh, for approval and publishing and whatnot. So that's all set. That got, uh, that got sent out. Uh, I have an interview that I'm doing when you're listening to this tonight, uh, Tuesday. So uh, let's see, one, two, three, and we're doing another interview on Wednesday, Leo and I. So six interviews in four days. Uh, let's see, yeah, one on Sunday, two tonight, one tomorrow, one Wednesday, one Thursday. Yeah, six interviews, two articles, uh, maybe three. Six interviews, three, four articles, four podcasts. You know, all this stuff is kind of together. Plus my, you know, day job pretty straining pretty taxing you know but this is stuff that i love to do like so it's while i do get a little sleepy you know and uh you know i have long days i really don't mind because this is uh stuff that i love doing so i'm not going to complain i'm just uh stating the obvious so you know if this show uh has to kind of get dialed back a little bit and i don't do it as often um i'm okay with that because I'm going to be putting out content in a lot of uh, in a variety of different ways. But that being said, uh, I do think we're going to have uh, have another show next week, and I am going to be continuing my Mel Brooks episodes. Uh, so far, I've done two. I've only done uh, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, and um, Blazing Saddles. So I need to do more of that. I need to get uh, Old Man Wade and um, and Powerful Brandon back on. I need to get a bunch of people on and uh, talk about some awesome stuff because there's far too much negativity in the world. And uh, this this show, I like to kind of break that up, the monotony of negativity. I kind of like to uh, do fun, fun stuff with fun guests. Uh, this week on Throwdown Thursday, we are going to be discussing uh, Samantha Jones from Sex and the City, played by Kim Cattrall. And uh, if you are unfamiliar, uh, you are in for a wild ride. Uh, Ash has been watching uh, the series, or the, yeah, the series. Uh, I think she's gone through four seasons in the last week. So she has definitely been putting in her research. We thought about this the other day. I was like, let's, we haven't done a Sex in the City episode, and Ash is going to be hosting. So I always enjoy those episodes. So, yeah, look forward to that. Samantha Jones on, uh, on Throwdown Thursday this week. And uh, as promised, this uh, as, as I always do, I will uh, wrap things up with a shark fact. And uh, I just want to... Uh, it's not a shark fact, 
so to speak, more of a a fact that has something to do with a shark film. It is the uh, 45th anniversary this summer of Jaws, the uh, just phenomenal film, one of my favorite films of all time. I think it's, uh, if it's not the top, it's 1 and 1A with uh, The Thing because of just what it is and what it meant to not only me, but to an entire generation of people. Um, it's absolutely my favorite, you know, quote-unquote monster movie. And uh, I love this film more than anything. But yeah, it's the 45th anniversary of that film. That's the uh, the fact that I'm coming out with. And uh, I just wanted to give people a little behind-the-scenes stuff uh, as far as the novel goes. So my actual shark fact, you know, it's the 45th anniversary of the movie, but it is also based on a book by Peter Benchley for uh, folks who are unfamiliar with the book. Like a lot of folks know that it's based on a novel by Peter Benchley. But what a lot of folks don't know is how uh, the shark eventually meets its fate in uh, in the novel. And I highly recommend if you can get your hands on it, read it. Uh, it's very well done. It, there's a lot of differences between the book and the film, uh, especially the ending. So the shark does still die at the end. Um, but I'm going to issue a spoiler warning right here if you don't want to hear exactly how. Because uh, it, you know, it's, again, it's almost 50 years at this point that the book's been out. But, uh, yeah, this is your, your spoiler warning if you don't want to hear Skip ahead about uh, two minutes. But, yeah, the shark at the end, uh, he kills Hooper. Uh, it's a very similar scene in the uh, in the book as to the movie. Like Hooper tries to go in the shark cage, but the shark gets him. Uh, Hooper does not get away. Uh, Quint does not get eaten. He gets dragged down, uh, much like Captain Ahab, because we do see Quint kind of uh, devolve into a Captain Ahab-like obsession with the shark, uh, especially through, you know, Robert Shaw's uh, portrayal of Quint. Uh, it's so well done. But uh, at the end of the book, both of those guys are dead. The orca has sunk. And there is uh, Brody in the water, you know, kind of hanging on to a seat cushion that, uh, according to the book, should... Uh, keep you afloat if you're an eight-year-old boy, but uh, Brody's doing just fine with it. And the shark's coming at him, coming at him, coming at him, and just dies of exhaustion. Like, that's it. Like, it just dies. Gives up, you know, from its harpoon wounds and just basic exhaustion. So that's how the shark dies. And that's my shark fact for this week. So I think with that being said, I will uh, I'll bring this episode to a close. Uh, if you can help support Addison, uh, he's a good dude, and he's uh, you know he's he's got a really good, solid concept that I really enjoy, and he is a big fan of uh, low budget and independent films himself, as you could tell from the interview. So with that being said, I'm going to uh, bring this episode to a close, and as always, I am the podcaster, but as the listener, you are my chum. Uh, have a great week, folks. Stay safe, wear your mask, and uh, wash your hands. Take care.